0: Well, it's great to have you at River Valley Church here and at all of our campuses, and I'm excited that uh, we're starting a new series, Born to Set People Free, as we focus in on the Christmas season and what it means to us. And how many, by show of hands, here and at all of our campuses, even though I can't see you, but uh, your campus pastor can, but how many would say, you feel like Christmas is sneaking up on you? Go ahead and admit it. Christmas just feels like, okay, hands everywhere, and I'm sure it's the same at all of our campuses. I don't know what it is, if it's the late Thanksgiving or distractions or whatever, but it's just feels like it it snuck up on us. And I got to admit, with the cold weather, how many kind of feel like it just passed us by? Like, this feels like February. This is wrong. I'm just saying it's wrong. And uh, I hate to say it, but for those of you that are new to Minnesota, it gets worse. And uh, (laughs) schedule a vacation to a warm weather place in the middle of winter. That's how you make it through. But anyways, um, we know Christmas is coming, especially if you have kids You know Christmas is coming because they are anticipating it. They are excited for it. Why? Because they know there's gifts coming. They know that you've made promises. They know you've made, they've made lists and they know it. And the the story of Christmas is filled with huge anticipation, not just anticipation from kids for gifts, but the whole message of God sending his son to this earth to be born. it, It was filled with incredible anticipation, Right after the fall of man, right after the serpent has has tricked Adam and Eve into disobeying God and they've now disobeyed God, sin has entered the world, right after this, all of a sudden there was a a prophecy, if you will, that God proclaimed and that the writer of Genesis puts in Genesis that is prophetic about what's going to happen. And ever since then, we've been looking for this promise to be fulfilled, or the writer of Genesis and and the Hebrew people, they said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So at the beginning, at the very beginning of the Bible, we see this sin has entered the world, but God's declaring, guess what? There's somebody coming. There's someone coming. And ever since then, the Jewish people were looking for someone called the Messiah, All right, maybe you've heard this. Again, very Christmassy, handles Messiah. You may have heard the term, but you don't know what it means. It means one who is anticipated as regarded as or professes to be a savior or liberator. Okay, so ever since that prophecy, ever since that was declared, it was like, okay, there's gonna be someone coming, a Messiah, a liberator. We're looking forward to the day that this happens. There's great anticipation so, so much that is written in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the first 39 books, so much of what's written there is written with this anticipation of the coming Messiah. Now, we look back and we know that it's Jesus, but they're looking forward and they're saying, where, where is he, where is he? Matter of fact, think about this, even a, a Christmas carol, it's not a biblical thing, but it's a Christmas carol, um, there's the one, O come, O come, Emmanuel, you know, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And that's all I'm saying, you know, that one. Okay, anyways, you know, but how many of you, you, you some of you are like, oh, all right. So you, you know that, but it's, it's saying, and, and ransom captive Israel, it, it's saying we're, we're, we're looking for you, we're looking for the one that'll set us free. A lot of the Christmas carols we sing in the songs are, are about that, and the theology is built on that, the longing and looking for the one that would make it there. Now, as we anticipate Christmas Eve, this series will help us to build, and it'll get us to the moment of Christmas Eve and, and Christmas, and for those of you that are new to the River Valley tradition, we have Christmas Eve services at all of our campuses, and, and it's true, a lot of people dress up. I think it's like the one time a year we do, and it's fun to do. We've added more services, um, and we just want to keep the focus on Jesus, and so I'm hoping this whole series will bring the focus to Jesus and get us to that moment, and um, I'm going to ask this because I kind of feel like the marketing world and the retail world kind of stole part of Thanksgiving away from us. How many of you agree with that? You know, they shopping at Thanksgiving. So let's just agree that if they're shopping in Christmas, we're boycotting, all right? Some of you are like, no, we're not. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yes, we are. All right. Let's keep the focus on Jesus. Let's not lose this. Let's not make Christmas about just shopping. Let's make it about what it's really about, Jesus, and the anticipation of a Savior. And so anticipation of what's coming, we want to look into the Old Testament. We want to look at what the Old Testament writers and what they were doing and what they were thinking and what they were focusing on. Now, I want to let you know that the Old Testament, those first 39 books, they're loaded with prophecies. There's about 2,000 prophecies in the entire Bible, somewhere in that range, and most of the prophecies in the Old Testament are looking forward to the day that Jesus would arrive, the Messiah, okay? You got to understand this. And the prophecies that are there that we're going to look at in this series, they're going to help us understand what's going on. They're, They're not generic ones, okay? What sets the Bible apart from any other book in history, any other religious book, is the fact that it is prophetic that it declares what is going to happen before it happens. And you'll see these prophecies, they're, they're, they're not just generic things like, you will take a walk in the rain and you're going to get wet. I mean, it's not like that, all right? It's way more in depth. It's, there's something to it. And I want you to understand prophecy. So before we look into the one that we're going to look at today, I want you to understand what we believe about Old Testament prophecy and, and the gift of prophecy that was given then and still functions in ways today. By inspiration, God would speak to the prophet. And when God would speak to the prophet, they would transmit exactly what they received from God. Now, they weren't a magician. They weren't like a medium or anything like that. They were regular people that God gave a spiritual anointing and a gift to them to be a prophet and to give prophecies. Now, we believe this, that God would inspire them to prophesy. We believe that God inspired the writers of the Bible, that they were verbally inspired, much like a prophecy, they were verbally inspired by God and told what to write or say, and they did exactly what God told them to do. Now, you gotta understand, God used whoever they were and their personality and their vocabulary to prophesy through them and to write the Bible that we have today. So for instance, Isaiah, genius. And you can tell from the way the book of Isaiah is written that the guy was an absolute genius. The words that he uses, incredible. So God, when he's speaking through Isaiah and prophesying and giving Isaiah something to prophesy, Isaiah's prophecies are incredible. credible. Matter of fact, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Let me just read this because you're very familiar with this. That's Isaiah prophesying about the birth of Jesus Christ. Some of you are even singing it as I was reading it. That's Isaiah. And it's just beautiful the way they'd write. But God also used common people like Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And Peter was used to write some of the Bible and also to give prophecies. And God didn't all of a sudden make it sound like he was Harvard educated, you know. He used the language that Peter had and the vocabulary that he had. Doesn't mean he was dumb. Peter is not dumb, he was just had a, a common language, and so he was able to prophesy and to speak out and to write things that God had given him in the vocabulary that he had. Now, this protects the, the realness and it safeguards the individuality of what God's doing through prophets. And, and just so you know, we believe that God still uses the gift of prophecy for today. And when that gift is used, and when people operate in that, they use the vocabulary that they have, they don't all of a sudden come up with a new one, and they don't speak in King James, okay, how many have ever been there? You know, thus saith the Lord, my peopleeth, you know what I mean? It's like, why are you talking like that? That's not normal you, okay? Um, So we believe that he uses normal language that people have. And I can let you know this, that again, our church believes in this. Our church believes this. And recently, one of our elders uh, received a, a prophecy about our church and about some things that were going well in the church. And there was great affirmation in this prophecy. And what was interesting is even as this elder in our church was being used in the gift of prophecy and they wrote it down for us and handed it in, we all read it and agreed with it, Um, it even used things that we've talked about in the last year it used verbiage from the last year but this is the interesting thing it said don't be surprised by the blessing on this church you've been building my church the church and I'm blessing this church because you're building my church Okay, so you gotta understand, because we're doing kingdom builders, because we're advancing the cause of Christ, because we're starting new churches, because we're not just about River Valley, we're about the kingdom of God, this prophecy was saying, I'm blessing you. And don't be surprised with the blessings. Don't be surprised, because as you love my church and build my church, I'm gonna bless this church. So I can tell you this, when I received that prophecy, it was right before the miracle offering, I'm just gonna tell you, When I got up here and I was asking and I said, we need to raise $900,000, some of you thought that's impossible. I mean, that's huge. I felt like we are going to raise it because God is blessing it and he's happy that we're building the church and he's going to bless this church. I felt like I was asking for that money with insider information. That's what I felt like. Okay. So I'm just telling you We believe that God still does that and speaks through us and uses that. And so we need to understand that. Now, um, again, with the Old Testament, remember, they're looking forward to something they don't fully understand, okay? Now, sometimes in prophecies, when you read the Old Testament, sometimes the prophecy was for right then, right there. The Israelites, the Jewish people had something going on, and the prophecy was for right there, and it was right for that moment. Many times, the prophecies in the Old Testament, though, are for that moment, and they're also for the moment that Jesus was coming to earth. In addition to that, sometimes they were there for that moment when Jesus was coming to the earth, born as a child in a manger, but they were also prophecies for when he's coming back again. So you have, if you will, like, a person trying to hear from God, dealing with the supernatural, and they're trying to figure out, you know, this is what's going on in this moment. David is maybe prophesying something, and he's saying something, and he feels it's for the now, but God's given him a glimpse that it's for out there, and then it might be for even further out there. If you will, it's like three mountains, okay? He sees the mountain of now, the mountain of Jesus coming, and the mountain of maybe the second coming, but I'm not sure what that is because I'm way back in history. I hope this is making sense. And so when they'd say these things, when they prophesy these things in the Old Testament, sometimes they were, I'm sure they were blown away. Like, I'm not sure if it's gonna happen like boom, 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 or if it's like boom, a thousand years, boom, a thousand, you see what I'm saying? And how many know when you're looking at mountains, you don't know how far they are away, all right? The other day I was out in California, and uh, I was sitting there, and I saw Catalina Island, and it was off the coast. And I said, how far, how far away is that island? And the guy that was with me said, how far do you think it is? And I thought for a second I was going to almost say two miles, and I thought, no, it's further than that. And so I thought, I don't want to be dumb and say two, so I said, 10? And he's like, no, 37. I was like, wow. I mean, I just, you know, it was way further away. So you could see a prophecy like, it's here, it's there, it's way further away. And I thought like, okay, I'm not like a mountain expert. I'm from Minnesota, all right? You know, I just, I don't know how far that is away, all right? But the prophets, when they were trying to prophesy this, they're trying to understand, is this just now? Is it now and when the Messiah is coming? Is it now when the Messiah is coming and then something really bad at the end of the age that I don't even fully understand? Okay, so you gotta understand this as prophecies going on. And and with this in mind, I want to look at some of the prophecies around the, the life of Jesus, and I want to do this different in this series. Alright? Instead of starting with the prophecies talking just about his birth, and then we'd get to Christmas Eve and we'd be talking about the crucifixion and resurrection. I'm going to go the other way, okay? So I'm going to start with crucifixion, resurrection right there, and we're going to move backwards towards Christmas Eve to talk about the birth of Jesus, which will totally make sense. So we're going to kind of do it backwards like the movie Benjamin Button, all right? So we're going to go backwards. Anybody watch that movie? It was way too long. I got to admit, I didn't watch it. All right. A bunch of people told me like, yeah, it's just like that. I'm like, yeah, I didn't. It was too long. But anyways, he went backwards to forward. All right. But here's the deal. In our lives, we do that. We understand the cross, and after we bring people to the cross, many times we bring them to the fact that he was born, and then we bring them from Christ being born. We go to creation. You understand that? Sometimes in our life, we understand things now by our reality now by looking back what happened a long time ago. I can't help but think if my mother prayed a prayer that really God took serious. When I was just a little baby, you know, here I am a pastor now, but I can remember when my mom and dad shared with me, do you know that when you were a little baby, we prayed a prayer that you could be a pastor for him? And I said, really? Well, actually, they said, we prayed that you'd be a priest. But I'm glad that it was modified. But anyways, um, yeah. so they said, we prayed a prayer. And here's what happened. I was dropped as a little baby. The babysitter dropped me and they were so terrified. They brought me to the doctor, and they thought, I don't know if he's going to be okay. And they said, God. My mom said she remembers going to the church and kneeling before the cross and saying, God, if he's okay, he can be yours, all yours. Who, who knows? Maybe God took her up on it, right? And maybe me being dropped explains a lot of things. All right, so anyways. <laughs> but see, it, we, we think about this, and, and there's, it's good to look back It's good to look back, and as we look back and we relive this, it's going to get us to our current moment. Matter of fact, uh, one of the best ways right now, or not best, but popular ways that people get engaged is to actually go through like their first date. You know, they go through that, or they go through this series of things that they did, and all of a sudden the girl realizes partway through, like, this is, you're walking me through all this, and this is making sense, and I remember where we were and where we're going. So, this is what I hope happens that we have that aha moment with this whole series. All right, so let's look at the first one we're going to look at. It was prophesied that Jesus would live a perfect life. It was prophesied that he would die by crucifixion, that he'd be resurrected from the dead, that he would send into heaven, and that he would sit at the right hand of God. Not enough time to go through all the scriptures, but let me give you a few of them. Psalm 22:16, 16. Psalm 16:10. 16, Psalm 68, 18, Psalm 110, verse one. Okay, I did that so that you have that on video and you can watch that later. But Isaiah 53, I wanna read this to you and I want you to understand, Isaiah prophesied this about Jesus. We've already read that Isaiah was prophesying about his birth and we'll get to that later in the series. But Isaiah prophesied about the death And resurrection of Jesus Christ, how he'd be treated in his life, how he would die. He prophesied this about 700 years before he comes on the scene. Okay? And again, it's not vague things. It's things that you can grab hold of and you go, wow, wow, that was God prophesying what would happen. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And if you know, Jesus was just uh, uh, the son of a carpenter. I mean, here he was. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took upon our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced. Think about this. Isaiah's prophesying that he would be pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. He's prophesying that he will have wounds that will heal you. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to to the slaughter and his sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Think about him before Pilate and think about him before Herod and he's not even opening his mouth. He's barely saying a thing. He's going along. Isaiah's prophesying this. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Think about this. He was crucified with thieves and put into a rich man's tomb. Who could have prophesied this? Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was, with the, it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because because he poured out his life unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made intercessions for the transgressors. Now this was prophesied, again, Almost 700 years before this, and you got to understand, no one was predicting in their own desires that the Savior, the Messiah, the Deliverer would suffer. That's not the way normal people think. If I told you somebody's coming to save you, you wouldn't think, oh, and I'm sure he's going to get beat up like crazy, and then he's going to save me. You'd think, okay, he's going to come in, and how big is he going to be, and how strong, and does he know kung fu? I mean, you'd be thinking like all these things, he's going to save me, right? That's what they were thinking. And, and Isaiah's prophesying, this is what's going to happen. And as the Jewish people are looking at this, they're like having a hard time with it. Like, is that about the Messiah? Did, did maybe Isaiah missed it? Maybe he meant he's going to inflict suffering on people. It just didn't make sense. And Isaiah's prophesying about this, and all this is going on. This is this is God's pinnacle moment. God's like, guess what? It's my plan. It's my plan. I'm sending Jesus. I'm sending the Messiah, the Deliverer. He's going to pay the price for all your sins. You don't have it all figured out, but guess what? It's all going to be put on him, and it's part of the plan. Theologian N.T. Wright said this. God was going to have the Messiah suffer and have evil exhaust itself. Think about that. And for those of you that are old enough to remember this, not many in our church are that old, but a few of you, it's kind of like, God was pulling off the ultimate rope dope For those of you that are too young to know that, I feel like, you know, like an old-timer, like Sonny Liston. Okay, but this is my old-time thought, but... Ali and Foreman were fighting a a great boxing match, and Ali's strategy was to let Foreman just punch and punch and punch. And Ali was against the ropes the whole entire fight until Foreman had punched himself out of gas and inflicted everything he could. And then Ali, like in a moment of comeback, comeback, comes back and wins at the very end. And it's as if this is spiritual rope like all of this evil is gonna be poured out, all this evil is gonna throw everything it has against Jesus, and then Jesus is gonna win. It was part of God's plan. You couldn't make that up. Isaiah would have to be inspired by God to write something like this that would say, guys, the Messiah is gonna take it and then win by taking it. That's incredible. Verse 11, it says, after he has suffered, he'll see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. I love what the message translation says. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it through what he experienced. My righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones. And he's saying it was part of the plan. It's part of the plan. And Isaiah was prophesying it and saying, guess what? This is all what it's all about. When Jesus takes it, when he takes your sin, my sin, he's the righteous one. He's going to take all this, pay the price, and he's going to make many of us righteous because we'll call on the name of the Lord. It's an amazing thing. See, Jesus was born to set people free. It was all put in motion, It was all put in motion. Jesus was born to get to that moment, to set people free, to take all of our sins. And that's what's so incredible that we celebrate at Christmas, that he was born to set people free. Now his sacrifice is what makes him worthy. Again, here's another thing, a prophecy in Revelation about what's coming. Remember the third mountain? There's now, there's Jesus' first coming, his second coming. There's a prophecy about his second coming and about what's going on in heaven and what's going on at the end of the age in Revelation. It says, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Think about it. John is prophesying what's going on in heaven, saying that there's going to be people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation there. And he's prophesying and speaking about what's coming ahead because of what Jesus did on the cross, which was prophesied by Isaiah. This is amazing stuff here. Now, once Jesus has died on the cross and rose from the dead, this is where the light goes off for the disciples. They're like, we get it. Remember I said Peter was a common man, not dumb, common. And that's why in Acts chapter two, right after the Holy Spirit's poured out on Pentecost, Peter starts preaching. And if you know Acts chapter two, if you haven't read it, read it later. It's amazing. He's like This is what David was saying in Psalm 68. This is what David was saying in Psalm 110. This is what David, and he wasn't giving the verse location, but he was saying the exact words. And he was saying, this is what David was meaning. This is what it was all about. All those things were pointing to this moment. And as he does this, the people are like, we did it. It was predicted. He was born to set people free. What do we need to do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And in that moment, 3,000 people. You talk about instant church growth. Right there, they're like, we get it. He's born to set people free. We want in on this. And they realize it. And that's why the disciples, they were putting it all together. And you'll see in the New Testament, after the first 39, the New Testament, we see all this being put together. And sometimes they look back and they go, that's what they were talking about. That's what they were talking about. That's what they were talking about. And in the New Testament now, we realize there's always a plan. God had a plan since the beginning. God had a plan. And as we celebrate Christmas, we can say, God had a plan. God had a plan. He was born to set people free. And if you're here at our church or you're at one of our campuses, at one of our church campuses, if you're watching online, I'm telling you this right now, you are not here by accident. God has a plan, God has a purpose. If you're in this church, you are not here by accident. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're not here by accident. God wants you to use your gifts and talents to reach more people. He wants you to be on mission, to make something happen. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior here in all of our campuses, you are not here by accident. You're not. You're here for a reason. If you're watching online, you're not watching by accident. There's a moment of truth right here Just like Peter said, hey, this is what it's all about. Let's put the pieces together. We are facing Christmas. We are coming up to Christmas. Put the pieces together. He was born to set people free, and that includes you. The Bible says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's whosoever. That's you. That's me. That's whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. And at here and all of our campuses, we're going to close out this service with an opportunity for people to give their life to Jesus Christ because you're not here by accident. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes here and at all of our campuses, our campus pastors will be able to lead you into this moment right now, and I'll do it here. But this is your opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Rabbi, I don't know. I've never made that decision. I've never done it. I didn't put the pieces together. I understand religion. I understand all this. I, I, I get little bits and pieces, but now it just makes sense. It just makes sense. I get it. I get it. I'm going to close the service in just a minute by praying a simple prayer. And with everyone's head bowed and their eyes closed in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, look up at me, and then I'll acknowledge it. You can put it back down. But this is your moment. This is your moment to say, hey, I get it. I understand it. Jesus was born to set people free, and that includes me. That means everything you've ever done wrong will be forgiven. Every sin, everything you've done wrong, the things that eat you up with guilt, the things that bother you at night, God says, I'll forgive it. I'll forgive it. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to say, I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for you. I realize there's a plan and a purpose. You took all that sin upon you and I'm gonna receive that free gift now. And now I wanna live for you. And if that's you and you're saying, Pastor Rob, include me in the prayer. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. This is your moment. With everyone's head bowed and their eyes closed, people that have made this decision already are praying for you. Right now your heart's probably racing. You're probably wondering, is that me? Is that me? And you feel the tug. That's the Holy Spirit saying, make the move, make the step, raise your hand and admit it so if that's you and you're saying include me in the prayer would you raise your hand all across this place and just say i'm in i want to. yes i see that hand going up are there others that say yes yes i see your hand that's awesome that's what it's about others that would say yes i'm in i'm in i want in i i this is my moment yep yep yes anyone else i'm looking around the room i'm looking from my left your right far section anybody that just says hey i'm in i'm in Kind of that side section there to my left, right in the middle. Anyone else? You're just saying we've had about three, four people that have raised their hand and we'd wait for you. We'd wait. This is one more time. To my right, your left. Is there anybody that says, hey, I'm in, I'm in, include me. This is your moment. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. Yes. I see you way back there. Yes. So good. You can put your, yeah, is there one more? Thank you, thank you, thank you thank you. We'd wait. We'd wait. I'm so thankful people that are making this decision. I'm so thankful that our church, we wait and and respect this very eternal moment. It's a very eternal moment that people are making. Thank you for being very respectful of that. You can put your hands down, and I want to have you keep your heads bowed, and we're going to pray. I'm going to pray a line, and then I'm going to ask you to pray a line after me. I'm just gonna ask you to repeat it out loud, and the people around you are gonna repeat it out loud as a form of encouragement, okay? You're just gonna pray it, and then we'll say the simple prayer and service will be over, but this simple prayer will change your life for eternity. You'll understand you're part of God's plan. So join me and follow after me. Confess this with your mouth and believe it in your heart, and it's real. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins and all that I've done wrong, and I ask you to forgive me. I turn from my sins and turn to you. I know you died on the cross and rose again from the dead so I could be forgiven, and I receive that. I confess you now as my Lord and Savior and pledge to live for you the rest of my life. Give me the strength to do that. So Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer so simple, so true, so real, very real, very real. You've forgiven them. You've said that you separate their sins as far as the East is from the West. You don't remember them anymore. You say that you've given them eternal life. Their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's real. It's real. I pray, God, that they would grow in this faith, walk in this faith, celebrate what they just did, and realize you were born to set people free. That includes them, and they are now in on this. We thank you, God, for those that prayed this prayer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. There are about four or five people that prayed that. Can we thank God for that? Can we thank God? Come on, man. The Bible says heaven rejoices when one. When one does it, all of heaven rejoices because they understand, heaven understands eternity was hanging in the balance for those people. Eternity is hanging in the balance for all of us. When you make that decision, you come under the forgiving power of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing thing. All right, those that made that decision, about four or five people did it, about six or seven in our earlier service did it. Can I say this? If you made that decision, I'm gonna ask you to do two things before you go to bed. It's 6.33, 6.33. All right, so before you go to bed, 634, just changed, all right. Before you go to bed, I want you to do two things. Tell someone you gave your life to Jesus. I'm saying out loud or text them. You could do that, I guess, but tell someone I did it. I gave my life to Jesus." Tell a pastor, tell anyone in our church that's wearing a River Valley lanyard, you could tell them. They would love to say congratulations. Tell one of the prayer team members that'll be up in the front, they'd love to say congratulations. So tell a relative, maybe you have a relative I love. Uh, Sometimes I hear from relatives like, my daughter called me and said she gave her life to the Lord. Thank you for having her do that. We rejoice together. See, because people want to rejoice with you and they want to say like, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family of God. And then the other thing is, before you leave here today, would you get this book from us? It's now what? It's free. We just, it's something that I help write with our staff. And it just says, now what? What do you do? Now that you gave your life to Jesus, what do you do? It says, like, it's time to celebrate. You're in the family now. How do you make time for Jesus? How do you read your Bible? How do you pray? You know, how do you do these things? And it just helps you in your walk with God. So you can get it from a, a prayer team member, a pastor, Uh, or at the Welcome Center. Again, if anybody has a lanyard and you said, hey, I need that book, they will help you get that book, all right? So those two things, tell somebody to get the book. All right, let's stand all across this place. Um, The prophecies are amazing. It's gonna be a, a series to just draw closer to Jesus. We're gonna work backwards towards the birth and celebrate it, but as you go from here, understand and know that you are part of God's plan. You're not here by accident. God has a plan and a purpose for you, and I want you to be blessed as we focus in on that plan in this series. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.